Welcome back to Creative Chit Chat. Uh, I'm Ryan McLeod, and this week's guest is jeweller and owner of Double Door Studio, Isla Spaulding. And uh, this week, I suppose before we go into the details of the episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, I suppose, the podcast in general. Um, you might have noticed that I've, I've switched things up a little bit. Um, I, I don't really use the, the numbers anymore. I've sort of given up on the numbers. They're probably not that important. I mean, this is, I think, episode 105. Um, and really, it, it's not about the number. It's about the people. Um, so I thought just sort of stripping them out and just making it much more focused on the person um, and giving a little bit uh, more sort of insight into to what the episode's about. So each one has a has a title now, uh, as opposed to just the name. Um, and also to encourage people to sort of dive into different episodes that um, of people that they might not have heard of if they if they think the topic is is interesting. So. Yeah, and I've freshened up the, the cover art as well a little bit, and uh, if I ever get round to finishing it, there might be a new website. Um, but yeah, so uh, just thinking about the how this the podcast works, and yeah, as I said in previous episodes, I'm really enjoying chatting to people again. Um, and I think as well, a few conversations, just having bumped into people, which is a lovely thing to be able to do these days, Um They've said that um, it could be quite a lot to catch up on, so this will be episode uh, like the sixth episode since I sort of brought the podcast back. Um, so it's sort of keeping keeping on top of all those episodes. Is, it can be quite tricky, so I appreciate that. So what I, th- what I think the plan is is to sort of do like a six episode release. So this will be number six, and then take a couple of weeks break, and then I'll come back with more episodes, which sort of gives me time to to record them and get all the things lined up and get them edited and and be a bit more organised so yeah and it's sort of better all round for everyone Um, so yeah and I I think it's been a fantastic start back, there's been some brilliant conversations um, that I've had with people and actually a lot of kind of common themes and things that tie into this episode as well, Um, like chatting to to Isla, we we talk about this um, the concept of sort of creatives being taken seriously um, within the city context, um, even just in a sort of passing conversations or how people come across your business, um, but also in this the, the idea of space and ownership of space um, and how creative businesses often um, go for rent and property and that leads to sort of insecurity or instability maybe. Um, and yeah, but actually Isla has decided to sort of take a a different approach and and get a mortgage i suppose on on a space and and make it work um which and, and she t- talks about why and the driver for that and um yeah it's, it's sort of fascinating but it, it also sort of connects to i mean stuff that kerry said last week about um creative practice and and that being a, a sort of serious profession um that can be a sort of lifelong career that's that's more respected. Um, we also touch on this thing, that, like what David talked about, the sort of scalability of the city um, and and how sort of having those specialists here in Dundee is actually maybe more of a rarity. So things like, uh, I mentioned stone setters and things like that, we don't have those specific skills necessarily in Dundee, so you have to look further afield. Um, so yeah, so there's lo- lots of lovely little threads um, that sort of tie this episode together and I think it's it's a, a sort of mad meander um through the journey and the the workings of of Isla's Isla's mind um and it's brilliant yeah there's there's a few sort of jumping off points and and yeah we, we sort of thread it back back together again 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I realise this is quite a long intro, um, so I'll just get on with it. But um, actually, one more thing before we go in, I want to say thank you again um, to everyone who has supported um, the podcast, has supported me on uh, Kofi, I think it's Kofi. Ko-fi, I don't know how you say it, but it's ko-fi.com forward slash CCC Dundee and you can sort of buy me a cup of coffee um, if you have been enjoying the podcast, if you listen to this episode and think, yeah, I love that, um, then yeah, you can go on there and, and sort of support the podcast in that way. Um, yeah, and it helps me keep it going. Um, I'll stop rambling and let's get into the episode. So this is Jeweler and owner of Double Door Studios, Isla Spaulding. I, uh, I was born and brought up in Brassy Ferry um, and it was, uh, uh, always wanted to go to art school so um had my sights set on Dundee because it, um, it was very well known and I was a wee bit nervous about moving to any other big cities at that age anyway. So had a great four years at art school, found the jewellery and metalwork department and uh, started on my journey there which is like 20 years ago now, which is quite scary. Um, um, I graduated in 2005 um, with a with a 2-2, uh, which at the time I was a bit disappointed with, but it does all make sense now, I think. And if anything, it kind of bolstered me to just get stuck out, st- stuck in there and get out there and and uh, start my jewellery business. But did it did it ever really matter? Um, no, not for what I was doing. If if you were going to do a masters or something, I think it would you know it would matter then. But but no, it doesn't really matter. Um, especially as most of my mark was made up with a dissertation, which I I knew I wasn't going to be strong at writing anyway. So it's <laughs> you <know>, fine. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I I went straight into starting up my business. Um. I I continued uh, working a little bit as well. Uh, I I played in a, a pipe band at that time, the OTC, which was uh, part of the like um, officers training corps, the student thing. I I stayed in there for a long time as a part time job, which uh, helped me uh, have some money for making jewelry. And I busked. I did a lot of busking in town, okay. <laughs> which was flexible. Um, so, but playing, um, so you're a, a drummer, right? Uh, yes, uh, I play the violin as well. So my mum made me learn a proper instrument before I was learning the drums. So I learned to play the fiddle. I used to go busking with my fiddle and bagpipes sometimes just to keep things interesting. I got more money because I looked more talented, even though actually I wasn't that good at either. But you can fool people. <laughs> um, What's, I mean, I don't think I've ever had anyone on the podcast who's ever like busked or has ever talked about it anyway ah okay um so what i mean what's that what's that experience like um well i love i loved it because it is i mean it's like self-employment it's the same sort of thing you choose your own hours um although it's not as flexible of course as people think because you need to choose the hours that are busy but um uh, yeah it was flexible and it was quite a good hourly wage really and it kept me practiced in my instruments and i met a lot of folk on the streets um yeah it was good for people watching and talking to lots of random people <laughs> and it was a good wage it was a good early wage and you you said like you f- did you, you found a difference in the income based upon the instrument that you played um yes yeah there is there is a, there is a difference uh there's a there's a there's a scale after talking to lots of buskers pipers make the most guitarists make the least 
you know, playing Scottish tunes on the fiddle can can get you sort of in the middle of that, maybe to the higher point. Put on a kilt when you're playing your Scottish instrument, even better. Me and a friend used to go out, he played the pipes and I played the drums and we'd get in full number ones at Christmas time. And there, yeah, there was one Christmas that I kind of didn't make much jewellery because I thought, because um, busking was better money than making jewellery at that point. <laughs> but, but I had to watch myself. I didn't, you know, fall into the trap of becoming a full-time busker or anything. Um, but um, yeah, I always felt dead, I don't know, grateful to the, the folk of Dundee or something. Because I don't like, um, and when I got, when I got the studios, um, I remember feeling there was something quite special about that I'd that sort of I don't know like w- felt like I worked the streets of Dundee city centre to you know make a living and then eventually I got a property in Dundee city centre where I was able to make a living it felt like a really good like a little progression for myself is it like one last question on busking <laughs> <laughs> um like what's the the, obviously there can be a bit of like jostling for for spaces or for like the, the crossover and hearing people like what's the politics like uh, and that sort of side of things so i think every every city's got slightly different politics um dundee's quite free and open so i think they i think technically you're meant to have a like a, a, a license for busking but it's down to local authorities and Dundee's always been pretty good. Like if you get asked to move on by a shop or a pub or something, then they've got every right to move you on. Um, but just playing a just playing a wee fiddle, you're not making too much noise, so it's not too bad. I always think it's a bit cheaty if you've got amplification as a busker. But but that's just me. Um, you know, if you want something loud, play a set of bagpipes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sorry, I've, t- I've okay. taken you off on a, a total tangent there. But, but, but people um, would speak to each other, buskers would speak to each other and sort of arrange, like, um, a little slot, or if you're going to... It's hard, you can't play for any more than, you know, an hour or two really without getting knackered anyway, so, yeah. Please share. <laughs> so, yeah, back, let's jump back into your, uh, your, your journey, and I can't remember exactly where we were at. Um, um, so um, we're we're we've just graduated. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. and um, I'm busking to make money, of course. <laughs> uh, so I got a st- I set up my studio in my parents' garage, um, which was good and uh, free at the start, which is important. And then I moved in with a friend uptown on Blinshaw Street. Uh, studios there. I, I stayed there for many happy years, and pretty much figured. I guess I figured out there. Um, I, I, you know, I figured out where I am now. I, I properly, um, like you know started making the pieces of jewelry that i'm still making now i started making the kilt pins and started doing more and more bespoke work and i guess made all the decisions there of what direction my business was going in sometimes you forget the decisions you've got to make and it was actually a a facebook memory that popped up recently where i'd been asking people there you know just asking everybody there a advice or, or what they thought of my brand and I'd totally forgotten I'd done that um and at that point I was looking at myself and being like okay you know I, I make jewelry I like to have this sort of what do you call it like arty element to me um where, and and then I make kilt pins which is much much more um you know designed for a customer it's much more following a brief more um you know more rigid less sort of flexibility on those um you know should i be doing these two things or should they be all one together 
and uh, and I hummed and hawed over that for a while because they are di- kind of different markets, really, but they also both feed into each other. Um, so uh, so I decided I'd I'd just keep with the two, even though it's sort <laughs> of in some ways double the work. But it means that yeah, my my kilt pin side of the business is is branded and marketed slightly differently to the Isla Spalding jewellery, which is kind of more. Um, I guess a bit confusing, really. Where do weddings, wedding rings sit in all this? Um, yeah, I guess I, I see the Isla Spalding jewellery as more my creative side where I, I'm more expressive and get to make things that are in my head and sometimes things for for no reason or the reason comes afterwards. Whereas, the yeah, kilt pins is more my bespoke money-making side of the business. But then, as I was mentioning, wedding rings there, I make lots of commissioned jewellery, so... You know, that might slide under the, the kilt pin side of things because it's more uh, a customer brief and following. Yeah, and I think like um, lots of people have different sort of segments of their careers that, mm. as you say, like one is, okay, I know that the customers come to me, they tell me what they want, I then design based upon that. And then you've got the other stuff that is more your creative freedom, your creative expression, that sort of outlet, and you can create your own collections um, on your sort of vision, if you mm-hmm. like. So. Yeah. And never quite enough time for the own collections thing. That goes slowly away in the background. But um, I, I quite like it having less pressure on that as well, though. It means I can I can be more free with it. I've just sent a brooch away to be in an exhibition, a touring exhibition. And it's I feel like it's been a long time since I've done anything like that. And, you know, it wasn't like... Um, so the, the application came up for this exhibition. I didn't, I didn't make something for it. I already had a brooch that I'd made, but hadn't really been shown anywhere, and it fitted the brief. And I was like, oh, perfect. Yeah, this is sort of coming together. So, um, so it's yeah, it's good to have this this the, my you know collection of things running, running, running along there, and then when an opportunity comes, I've got stuff ready now for it rather than an opportunity coming and thinking oh I must take that opportunity and try to scrabble something together for it so let's um let's jump back to like you were talking about so after graduation um and you you're starting up your your practice Mm -hmm. um like how I suppose with jewellery as a as a discipline and as a sort of like there's a lot of graduates from DJ CAD that that come out um and what are the sort of the routes that you can take once you have that sort of qualification like are most people going and creating their own businesses and creating their own collections and doing bespoke work or are there other like lots of other options out there for for that um i think there are quite a few options to be honest it wasn't like these options were laid on a plate for us when we were studying or anything um maybe Maybe that's part of your <laughs> degree is you go and find all these things for yourself. Um, but I, um, yeah, I mean, there there are jobs, not not many jobs in the jewellery industry in Scotland. They're they're mostly down in London or in Birmingham or, you know, in the bigger cities. Um, uh, it's it's you know, easier and easier, I think, to set, your, set yourself up as self-employed and make a collection and market a collection take photos of your work all that's getting easier and easier i think it's i think a lot more people will be going down the self-employed route because it is 
it's easier to get started. I'm not saying it's easy. It's just you don't have such a big step at the start as I think you would have like 30, 40 years ago, like before digital cameras and the internet, basically. Um, uh, and and then of course there's teaching and you know further academia as well. Um, yeah, because I mean there's probably like those three main avenues. Yeah, te- teaching, going into jobs, or, or or setting up on on your own. And so for you, was that was it an easy decision to make? I found it an easy decision. Yeah, um, just because I felt that's. I, you know, went through some of the time at uni just being like, oh, I can't wait till I could be on my own and then I can just make what I want to do. Grass is always greener. <laughs> so of course, you end up making what your clients want you to do anyway. It's not quite... But uh, yeah, I think I always knew I wanted to... I just wanted to make things. And if you ask my mum, that's what I used to say when I was wee, you know, I just want to make things. I knew I wanted to, like, go to art school, but I wanted to make things. Um, so, I got to, so I get to make things all the time. It's great. Um should I get back onto my story? I think I remember where it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Flinshall Street and yeah. deciding my fate. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Made made decisions about my business, decided where I wanted to go. Uh, got uh, I've always taken on interns. Um, I use the word lightly because they're not official interns through some sort of intern system. But, you know, I take on a wee bit, of, take on a wee bit of help and give them a wee bit of help in return. Um, and then I kind of decided I was ready to maybe be a wee bit more um, formalised with this. And so uh, I put an advert out for an assistant and I did that with my friend Scarlett Erskine. She's another jeweller in Dundee. Uh, we were both maybe looking for somebody, but both tentative about it because, you know, can we afford it? You know, it's quite a big step, blah, blah, blah. Um, so we did it together, which has been great because it's it, it made it easier. And, you know, we interviewed together, we did all that together. So, you know, halves the work and makes the decision process quicker. So, you, so there was one person, and you shared. The, yes. So they work with both of you. Yeah, and she still does as well. Okay. Um, it's been like six years now or something, I think. Um, so, uh, uh yeah, we we share her. We've got a, a day day a week each with Christina, and she's actually one of the residents at Double Door Studios as well now. So that makes it very handy for me. Um, so that was a a good little step up, and and I think that gave like you know when you, I found. If you want to do something that is a step up, it's 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 scary to make the step. You don't know how you're going to be able to afford it. Like you, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really work out. Or it, or you can make it work out on the on your spreadsheet. You can also make it not work out. You know, it's, it's just like hitting and hoping. Um, but I do find if you just if you do these things, it 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 will work out. You know, you 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 take the wee risk. These are small risks in comparison to a lot of things we're talking about here. Uh, you know, you you do it. Um. It, You'll get used. To it. It's like you get used to it, and you, and you know it ends up working. And then you get, and then that's all fine. And then you need another little step up, and that seems really scary. And you don't know how you'll be able to afford it. But then you just do it, and then it all works out. Touch wood, touching wood a lot. I touch wood a lot. <laughs> um, but I think yeah, I think I think you're right. It's about taking those sort of calculated yeah. risks and pushing yourself into that that territory that's maybe a little more unknown mm-hmm. but um having the the confidence to that that you know that you can you can back it up and you can make it work whatever mm-hmm. whatever happens i think and i think you're, you're right like taking on a, a member of staff and being responsible for someone else's income sort mm-hmm. of thing is a, is a massive step yeah it's huge when you you realize you go quickly from worrying about your own income and like to to somebody else's income and then you're like oh god mine doesn't even matter anymore or something you um 
like having a child or something maybe <laughs> perhaps <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um so uh, but yeah those all so all the like you know that little step like really um you know bolstered me to make the next step and uh, and the next step you know i'd been dreaming about for ages was to get a bigger space where there'd be space for others um although i was sharing a studio at blinshaw street with my good friend louise forbes we weren't in together that much really you know we had our, our project project man pins that we work on together that was that was going still going but um you Did know you, to have... before you jump on to the next bit let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit about man pins yep um, because they're a really nice, nice concept. Where did where did the idea come from? Okay, so um, Louise had been uh, works in the Tabery Gallery with my sister Sarah Spalding, and she had been making wooden brooches, wooden pins. Um, you know, sticking a brooch put on the back and try to sell them in the gallery. Um, but they weren't really selling. She was aiming them at men, but um, they weren't. It wasn't really shifting or anything. And then she hashtag one of her Instagram posts, hashtag manpin. And I just thought it was really funny. I was like, we should call, call them manpins. And I was like, right, can I can I come in? Let's do it together, you know. And just as an excuse to have a nice project with your pal as well, you know. When you're when you're working so much, <laughs> it's good to have work that is fun. <laughs> um, so... Uh, um, yeah, it came off that hashtag, and and, uh, and I really wanted to like brand them up and make a thing of the the branding because you know essentially we're selling bits bits of wood with a pin on the back of it. So, but uh, you know we saw the kind of sp- specialness of some of these bits of wood sometimes. So it was about building up the you know the the brand around that so that other people saw it as more than just a bit of wood with a pin on it as well. Um, because a lot of them are, you know, they're, they're made out of old wooden objects. They've got a story behind them already. Sometimes people have brought us their wood and we've made them, you know, and, you know it's like talking about a bit of your granny's skirting board or some <laughs> random bit of, you know, it's just wood. But these material objects can hold so much meaning for people sometimes. So I think it's like respecting that and... Uh, looking at wood on that scale as well, you you notice the grain so different. You know when you're just looking at that tiny little framed section of it. Um, but it, I suppose as well, it goes from that sort of abstract object, like a, a skirting board or a whiskey cask or an instrument or something like that. But then it makes it a much more everyday scale that mm-hmm. you can wear. Yeah. But you can't really wear a skirting board. That's true. <laughs> not a full one anyway not a full one not, not all the time maybe on a special occasion <laughs> but i was uh we cut up instruments um that that always goes down well on the on the social media because people get quite um you know up in arms about cutting up an instrument but you know some instruments do end up as firewood because they just don't work anymore for whatever reason so i've got a good contact that gives me lots of split drones for bagpipes that you know, people really don't like seeing bagpipe drones getting caught up. It seems, but I just think it's so good because they're just going to sit in a box because you know equally somebody is too scared to burn them because they don't want to burn the musical instrument. But they just sit in a box, so you know why not cut it up and then put it on a lapel and then the bits of bagpipes can go out into the world and hear music again <laughs> sitting on someone's lapel. They might not be creating it, but at least they're hearing it. You know, they're still still in the game, <laughs> such. And you're still you're still making them. 
Yeah, still making them. Um, we've, it's it's we're, we've probably taken a slight back seat on it to now for maybe the next year or two, but uh, we'll we'll see how things go. We've got plenty made to now, so we've got plenty to sell. <laughs> if anyone wants to buy my buy a man pin, come and see them at Double Door Studios or Tabor Gallery. And <laughs> um, so, so to go back to um, the point at which you said you were making that step up, you were looking at. At spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to go back to back to there? Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, it all felt very much like a, a bit of a fantasy. It's always been the thing. Like, if I won the lottery, what would I do? Oh, I'd love to, you know, buy a big space and turn it into studios. Wouldn't that be ace? You know. Um, and then, um, we sort of realised we're like, well, wait a minute, <laughs> maybe I can have this have this dream, but you know, and it's slightly smaller and more difficult than just winning the lottery and being able to do it. Uh, and then you start the process. Then you realise if you won the lottery, it's not necessarily just money that can get you these things either. You know, like, I mean, yeah, sure, it's helpful, but there's loads of other things that get in the way of you being able to do something, like planning permission and local councils and things. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, I'd, so I was keeping my options quite open, didn't know what I was looking for. I was uh, in, in, you know, one side of me wanted you know, uh, somewhere like where I was already, an old industrial unit that um, would be, you know, very hard to heat <laughs> and probably too big and p- probably a bit too falling in on itself. Um, or there was going down the the retail unit and getting a shop. Um, but, uh, you know, then you realise, like, really how expensive everything is. And, you, you know, what, yeah, what, what you get for your money in a commercial sense is is uh, not a huge amount and you know the money that you've got to put in to make it look good and everything's all yeah everything's we're talking you know suddenly everything's in chunks of thousands you know if that and you know don't have chunks of thousands so um so yeah i did um I almost bought a shop um and then realized that i didn't really want to be as quite as public facing as that you know i wanted people to know where i was and be able to come in and look at something but I just, I, I was imagining doing the fit out and people would be looking in the windows being, what's going on? What's going on? Of course they would, you know? And there were six windows I would have had to secure on that building as well. So so I kind of backtracked on that. I had a, I had a, and it's it's really hard when you get stuck in a process of doing something like that because backtracking feels like you're failing a little bit or feeling, or it feels like you're wimping out. So you've got to make, you know, you've, you've I mean, you've, you've got to make a, a good decision based on knowledge so that you feel confident in your decision and it's not emotions that are making your decision. You've got to kind of take, really try and take emotions out of it, which I think is hard when you're the type of person that kind of goes into things with a pretty, you know, open mind, open heart, you know, and <laughs> um, and does, you know, uh, put significance on emotional attractions to things or feelings or vibes. Um, it's not always the most logical way to look at something, of course. Uh, so, um, but yeah, so yeah, I had a bit of a bad dream and that was enough to be like, yeah, okay, this shop is definitely not for me. Um, abort, abort. So, so, so when you're looking for space, mm-hmm. like what were the, what were the requirements? What were the, like the, the things that it, it must have or the things that it was nice, it would be nice to have? Uh, I probably should have made a a, a proper list <laughs> about it. Um, well, I guess it needed to have uh, space to work, space to sell, um, be warmer than my last studio, 
be um, and, and be quite central. I wanted it to. I was kind of fixated on on the city centre. I didn't want to be out any further than I was before because on the we were on the edge of the city centre before, like the nearest and near near Wasp Studios. So I felt like quite a good wee industrial but creative bit. But um, so yeah, I guess that's what I was I was looking for, um, and I. I did always want, I always had this thing in my head that I would have my name on the window or on the outside. It wouldn't be called my name, but it it would have my name on it. Still don't have my name on the outside of the building. And I don't know if I ever will now, actually. Why, um, why not? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. I think there's, yeah, there's not sure. We've got the studio name on the windows now, so that's good. I think that's enough for now. <laughs> maybe i'll get the guts to put my own name on the wall at one point but um yeah that that feels fine just now yeah it's like you're trying um it's like you want people to know who you who you are but also create a bit of mystique around you as well or something so only the people that know know I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah so the um yeah after after lo- looking at shops that's when i realized that i was yeah maybe just had to oh and things were going to get really expensive security wise for a shop too a shop of jewelers sorry i keep moving away from the mic um so that's when i started looking at first floor places as well and the place i've got i used to walk past it every day from my old studio to my flat and i just started noticing it more and more you know and then um and it was up for sale, so um, went and looked at it. Spent a lot of time dithering about because, yeah, um, you can't just you can't just move into. That's when I learned you can't just move into somewhere. You've got to have permission to be there as a you know as a commercial entity. So I had to do um, I had to get planning permission to change the use, uh, and. I'm trying to remember now. I've buried it all because it was all quite stressful. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, planning permission was the main thing. It took me about, I think it was about eight or nine months all in all, though, from kind of deciding that, yeah, I was going to put an offer in on this place to actually putting an offer in and knowing that I could legally work there and do what I wanted to do. So that was harder than I thought it was going to be. And like one thing we've not sort of touched on mm-hmm. um, that you just mentioned there is that you were looking for a place to buy and not a place mm-hmm. to rent, um, which in the sort of creative sector is not the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, the vast majority of, of businesses and things look at, okay, what can I rent? Mm-hmm. Um, and the actual ownership model, I mean, I, I don't think is considered enough mm-hmm. um and there's 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 many reasons for that obviously there's there's bigger financial implications um but i think it also leads to this sort of insecurity and this sort of um it means that, that creative businesses often find themselves in spaces that aren't ideal mm-hmm. or that they have to then move on from or that yeah become a bit more transient and it, it has a big downside whereas i think the way that you came at it and looked at it as a as a I want to own this space um, and and work out how I can make that happen um, is something that that I I think a lot more creative businesses should try and consider, Mm -hmm. for sure. 
I think it's maybe like, it, as you say, it's just not done as much that people don't realise it's it could be done or something. Hmm. Um, uh, now and and especially in a smaller town where things you know commercial space is cheaper, it's it's not out with people's remit to be able to do it. But um, uh, you know, um, commercial property in Dundee is still. Um, for for that type anyway, uh, which is you know old office space that and that like a regular office wouldn't go into anymore because it's not suitable for for them anymore. But it's 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 su- suitable for artists and designers. It's it's better than the old warehouse spaces you know that we've been used to. So we're, now we're in the old office spaces. Um, sorry, I lost my train. I thought there a little bit. And it, like it. it- the the ownership model gives the much more long term sustainability yeah. to it as well, and it secures that that space and ensures that yeah others can, as yeah. you say, like build around it and say if we can then it's not these big landlords that can afford to just leave properties mm-hmm. empty because they've got so much it covers all their overheads mm-hmm. that actually there's there's space in our city centres that is being utilised mm-hmm. and is being like and is is making the creative community visible because mm-hmm. often as well the spaces that we do occupy are hidden away mm-hmm. um and obviously as you said like the having a, a real visible shop front has its own mm-hmm. drawbacks and issues but actually having that the, the much more visible presence for design and creativity shows that um they are viable businesses that operate in the same way as, as yeah. accountants or yeah. other traditional businesses that are sort of never questioned yeah do you know what and that's a huge thing for me actually it's like and, and i wanted to give my sense of se- i wanted to give myself like i'm a real person type thing <laughs> and that's ridiculous when you think about it that i've got to do that to feel like a real to feel like a real person in the industry we're in but i think that is how a lot of people yeah people feel like we're yeah, we're not a real business, you know. We're we're just sort of playing a game, you know. And um, and part of that is, I think, because a lot of creative people have such playful bl- brains that it is kind of like some of, you know, like doing your admin and everything. You've got to look at it like a game, otherwise you never get through it, you know. So you know, maybe just more playful people anyway. And then it's like, you know, everyone else just thinks, you know, yeah. I'm trying to find the right words for it without like offending anybody here. <laughs> but um, yeah, sometimes I think like um, let's say like people with proper jobs, like accountants and solicitors, think we're not a proper job in the creative industries <laughs> because it's too much fun. <laughs> um, and uh, so yeah, it's a it's about you just said it. You said it right. It's about being visible uh, and and putting your name on the door so that um you're getting like some sort of respect it shouldn't be that we've got to do that to get that respect but or or, or maybe it or maybe it does yeah <laughs> I, I think it, it's a it's an ongoing battle mm-hmm. um and i think as well it it hinders um creatives being involved in conversations that are uh, I'm struggling to find a better term than the sort of higher up, but more like mm-hmm. strategic or decision-making conversations and getting that those creative voices around the table. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because that that maybe they're not valued quite as much they don't get that the ability to have the influence or have a say Mm -hmm. um or or be taken sort of as seriously i suppose and it's if we can make those steps and as you say make make it more visible um then those opportunities will come because we'll be seen as a a real Mm -hmm. quantifiable force and and presence in the in the city Mm -hmm. Uh, you just reminded me, actually. I've only had it once, but we have had somebody come in and say, so are you all students? <laughs> you know, and that is just the classic thing, is that pe- people don't... They, they can't see where art students go after graduating. So they assume that the only people that are, you know, making handmade jewellery or making that are they're either art students or they're, you know, they've just graduated because, you know, they're giving it a wee bash before they, you know, pack it all in for to do something else, <laughs> let's just say. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I did find that funny. I think it's, um, hopefully that'll happen less, you see, as they see that, that you know, we're in there running a business. Well, six businesses, actually. Seven if you count the studios as a business too. So, <laughs> So I mean, after you went through the the sort of the the torment and the pain of of converting the and getting the change of use for the space, mm-hmm. um, so how did you go about? Like, what work did you need to do to get it from its the state that you you bought it into actually being a, a working studio? Okay, well, that was, I guess that was something that was very high up on the what I was looking for as well. Was there somewhere to move in that I didn't have to spend too much money on? Because don't have it and I just given it all to my solicitor so <laughs> um so I didn't I, we basically just did um like cosmetic stuff uh, spe- uh you know got the got the floors looking good and built the workshop and I've been I've been saving stuff for years you know I knew it was it was going to happen at some point I didn't know what kind of space it was going to be so I've been saving a few different things for a long time so so uh, yeah, and, and donations as well. I got some, there's a few friends that donated bits of their workshop or old bits. It's been, it doesn't look it, but it's been really cobbled together. And and I've been saving for a while. You know, there's quite a bit of the recycling centre in there, as you'd expect. There's quite a lot of old art school things in there, as you'd expect. Um, you know, our, our family things, you know, so Christina's grand's toaster, you know, <laughs> So um so um no cuz be- because I have been um um uh, st- storing stuff away. So I'm a bit of a hoarder. So you know when it comes to fruition and I can use all my hoard it's like see. <laughs> there was reason to keep all those desks and chairs and things. Um yeah, so it, mainly c- cosmetic stuff. But yeah, I, I I did choose somewhere where I knew I was I wasn't going to have to spend too much money on it. And uh, and then, <laughs> I, you know, I guess in the back of my head as well, I'm like, well, you know, I'm in this deep now. So if I've got to spend a lot of money on replacing windows or fixing a roof a lot, I'll just have to take out another loan, you know, <laughs> once you've got one. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, how did you then fill the space? Because obviously it's not just yourself that, that's in there. Yeah. So I kind of filled it before I got it, or as I was getting it as well, a little bit. So Christina, um, the um, me and Scarlett's bench assistant, uh, she was. Uh, I sort of asked her already. I was like, Christina, if I go somewhere else, will you come with me? And she said, Yeah. I'm like, Cool, right? There's one. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and she just moved into a studio in Wasps with Holly, who's another um, of our jewelers, and. 
Uh, so there's like, I think Holly will come too. Yes, she will. And she'll donate most of our workshop. Brilliant. <laughs> so Holly's uh, old studio became our mini workshop. Pretty much all her benches and things went in there. Um, and then, and then uh, Eva, the other jeweler, I just, um, so we'd, we did a project as I was getting the studios in that um, called, uh, well, we did an exhibition, sorry. We've got a collective in Dundee. His collective is quite loose. The Dundee Jewellers Collective. It's basically just all the jewellers in Dundee speak to each other. We're quite close. So we've got a Facebook group where we can ask for saw blades and whatnot. And we've organised a few exhibitions together. And we've you know, got social media, but we only really use it when we're doing the exhibition. So it's just a little... Um, what do you call it? A little network, you know, and, that and can... quite a lot of jewellers in like done there's quite yeah, a Yeah, for the size of... for the size of the place. I think there's quite a lot of jewellers. And uh well, actually I was I was just listening to David Scott's talk the other day and he hit the nail on the head with the um the small city or small town having to do a lot of things. And I was like, oh, that is totally it, you know. I mean, I've always bemoaned the fact that we don't have stone setters and engravers and specialist technique people in the city or staying in the city or were were they even here? I don't know. They don't learn that stuff at the art school, you know what I mean? So, um, but it's it's the size of the the city that really has, that makes, makes people who they are and, you know, makes it so you're you've, you're sort of a jack of all trades person, and having to do a lot, um, a little bit of everything. So yeah, it was good hearing that because it was like yeah, that's that's how that's how we've got to be. So, um, I, I respect the fact that we all that we all do that, that we all work in that way, and that's that's why we do is because of circumstance. Where did I start there? Where was <laughs> You're talking about uh, so Phil in the the studio. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Dundee Jewelers Collective. That was it. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, we'd got together. I think it must have been 2019, and uh, put on an exhibition in Wasp Studios, and it was there that I got to know Eva, one of the other jewelers in the studios, and uh, just really liked how Eva was up for getting stuck in on things. Um, and so I kind of like had her pegs in my head, you know, and then uh, and then she she asked if she could uh, come into the studios as well, and I was like, yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so um, yeah, and and we're we're a really we're a really good little team. We've got we've all got our own strengths, and there's uh, sorry, there's two more. There's the candle bothy Sophie, and uh, and my youngest sister set up a framing business in the other room while she was furloughed. Although that was while she was furloughed, now she's back as a bar manager in Glasgow. So that's a little bit of a let's call it a storeroom just now. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, Sophie's great as well. Everyone just gets kind of stuck in in their own ways, which I really appreciate. And uh, um, it's like, I guess, when you're so used to being self-employed and having to do things for yourself. Um, I don't know, does that make you a better or a worse team player? What I'm seeing is that it's, I think people are quite good team members because they're used to just going off and doing something and not necessarily, you know, when you do something for yourself, it's not like you've got, you know, a, a time limit or you might have made a time limit, but 
you know, you don't have the parameters that someone else is setting for you. So you're like, oh, well, I only needed to do that much. So I'm only going to do that much. You know, when you're working for your own, it's like never ending how much you could do. So so I guess with that attitude, maybe it makes people work quite well as part of a team and doing their own wee thing because they're, they're, you just go and do it to the best of their ability rather than to, to a line that somebody else has drawn for them. So, because we're quite, um, you know, with... I don't. I like to say that no, none of us are really the the boss in there. Well, I'm the boss, but you know, <laughs> classic boss thing to say, classic right? Classic boss <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> but you know, the yeah, the the studios. We're all running that off. Our, we're we're all trying to make the the place better for for all of us. That's the main driver there. We're you know we want to make the place better. We want to you know all meet more people. We want to all sell more work. Um, so it's like we're all doing it for each other and for that greater good of the, the place. Yeah, and I suppose if you're raising the profile, there's a mutual benefit mm-hmm. for it, and it's it's really nice and, and interesting to hear you talk about it as mm-hmm. a team. Mm-hmm. Um, because I suppose I'd never really thought about it like that. I'd thought about there was several individual businesses in there, but actually there is a, a collective goal mm-hmm. um, and a collective purpose mm-hmm. um, to all build together. Yeah. Feeling. I don't think I ever realised how I well I think lockdown maybe actually helped um, direct that a little bit like and I'm trying to think you know what was the original intentions when I look back at my you know my first business plan for the place yeah it's not it's not worked out like I thought it was going to but also I didn't have global pandemic in my SWOT analysis did anybody so um, yeah I, I you know I'm way too optimistic with time and my own energy I guess as well so you know way back at the start I kind of thought I'd do you know I'd be just doing everything my, myself you know it's almost like I'd rather do it myself than you know ask somebody else to do things in a way so you know I, and now I'm like what, what was I planning here I was just going to like put on exhibitions by myself and you know do all this stuff that actually wouldn't have yeah <laughs> Um, you know, got got me and they would have taken all the time and, and for what? And then I wouldn't have been a jeweller. I would have been a, you know, a, an organiser or something, you know, so when we got a bit carried away with all those thoughts. But that I, I think, yeah, lockdown maybe instilled this um, working, working together as a as a group to put to put things on. Um, so we were meant to have our opening party on like the 11th of April. Um, oh, so it's you know it's almost our two year birthday, or we don't really know when, exactly when our birthday is, but well, it's about now. Um, so yeah, we were meant to have, have a big opening party then in in twenty twenty, and of course, obviously COVID and everything. So we we kept going a little bit, and then I remember saying to Eva, it's like it's okay, we'll have our grand opening on the first of May, and he was like, I think I think we'll still be locked down now. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that um, meant we did a lot of social media at that stage. I don't think we would have done if if it was you know if if there was no COVID. And we you know built our audience by doing like online treasure hunts and uh, a word search and you know just fun things like that, which was really fun at that time. That wouldn't work now in the same way because not everyone's glued to their computer screens and or you know stuck at home with like yeah okay I'll just do a word search. Um, so. Yeah, I, I felt really like a, a sort of joyful thing to do at that time. It was good for the spirits. And uh, and then, yeah, I guess, yeah, maybe being forced apart maybe made us want to work together more or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. 
I mean, it was, it was uh, the Hundred Jewels exhibition as well that Ava sort of headed up that really got us properly formalised as a group as well because we got funding to do that. Um, and I remember when all that was sort of starting, I was like, oh, you know, I was like, is is this the direction we want to go in? But then I was like, well, wait a minute, there's not... You're not going to, I don't know, pick a direction. And be... <laughs> I felt like we were... Um, no, what's the words? quite fluid and I think the way I do my my own life is quite fluid anyway you know I'm more sort of like just go and see what happens sort of person and I think so the, the studios are probably running a, a wee bit like that as well but um it made me realize that like this is just it's a it's a space it's a platform it can be whatever it wants to be to the people that are inside it at the time so so if we want to do a big exhibition of you know that could that could be held somewhere way like you know like it's the kind of exhibition that could have been held in a university or a proper exhibition space or you know a bit of the vna or something but it's like no why yeah do that do that here um yeah i i think i like to let opportunities guide me sometimes you know or things that come up um like a more uh um, organic approach to things I, su- I suppose so do, you, do you want to explain a little bit about what the 100 jewels exhibition actually was yes <laughs> so 100 jewels by 100 women was a celebration of women in jewellery in dundee it was originally conceived to be held during um women's history month and uh, an international women's day which makes it make a bit more sense for being just women <laughs> but uh, of course with covid and everything blah 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 it was like we held it in june um 2021 20, oh look i've got my years mixed up it was just last year it's 2022 it was just last year so um we held it in june so that more people could come to it obviously um and uh, we um found 100 people not necessarily all working as jewelers but had all made jewelry at some point in their life sort of it was it was sort of um you know part of their career now but maybe not as a jeweler um and they all submitted a piece and we displayed them all on our wall together and we made a a catalog a real life catalog and a website as well because at that point we didn't know whether we were going to be able to do a real life life exhibition so um so we made all these other avenues and we got to do everything, of course, in the end. So so we've got a book and it's just, a, um, you know, I've always really believed in Dundee and wanted to, you know, be one of the people that kind of stuck around and, you know, tried to make it better rather than just running away to a bigger city where more exciting things were happening. Um, so, yeah, to to create this 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 lasting legacy, this book and the website's still up for another couple of years um of all these pieces i just think is uh yeah really exciting and and, and special and uh and and i mean that's the kind of thing it's like i would have never have been able to i would have never have you know done that myself but to be part of it with somebody else doing it is 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 really wonderful so you know i just hope yeah more there's there's, there's always more and more exciting things that come out from from working in that team because it pushes you to do little things that you might you know you know you'd be enjoy and you'd find fun and you'd like to do but you might have not gone and done it but when there's more people power you can do all these things so that's good 
with the the uh, Double Door Studios, like you've obviously developed now that you can um, bring people sort of into the space. You've des- developed a sort of um, like more of a retail space within it. Yeah, so we've got our one room, our little exhibition room, um, which currently is set up like a retail space with cabinets and and things. Um, we're open by appointment just now, and we're. I think that's our general, you know, gist is we're we're open by appointment unless we've got an exhibition on that we're advertising. Um, and so I mean, you can come and view the jewellery and candles made in the studios at, at any time, really. Um, we've uh, we've we've not had that many appointments, <laughs> and and of course I would never right so. I, yeah, no, but I, but that's how I like it. I you know because it is a workshop first, and that's that's always something to remember is we're a working workshop first, uh, and it's quite, you know, it's it is like a a privilege for people to be able to come in and have a look at that working environment. Um, I want to keep it so it's never like, um, you know, uh, sort of. I'll try to say here, um. Like, uh, yeah, I'd never want to f- sort of fake it, like f- fake this working environment so people can like, oh, look how they work. But it's, but, you, you know, we're kind of cleaning it up or making it um, for the public viewing. You know, like to me, all that's got to be real. You know, like making jewellery is pretty mucky and messy and dirty. Um, and so I want to... Um, make sure it, it it keeps real, and we're not sort of yeah faking it to make it look nicer than it is or something. I uh, I realize well I realize when I so one of the big downfalls about where I am is that there's no disabled access. We can't get wheelchairs up the stairs, so that will always stop us being a full on you know retail exhibition space. Is that we just we can't you know in this day and age we can't be as 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 accessible as we'd like to be and although we can do things and we'll always offer virtual tours or anything or you know we've i mean there's two pubs downstairs but if we needed to have you know set up some stuff downstairs we can do that so there we have thought about it a lot there is other options um but I guess that would always stop us, you know, really putting a lot of, you know, energy into like opening that space as a full time, you know, drop in at any time space as well. Also, if we're doing that. We need to get staff. We need to have somebody. See, in my in my mind beforehand, I thought I could manage an open space and work at a workbench at the same time, which I realised now is ridiculous. <laughs> Funnily enough, you need your concentration making jewellery. <laughs> So obviously you, you've talked about the the milestones like in your your journey mm-hmm. um, and sort of starting out and then and um, building things up and then actually creating your own space and bringing people in and, and running it. Um, so what's what's next? What's the next milestone or goal or or what's for the future? Ha. Uh, um, so yeah, I've been I've been thinking about this because I mean it's a great relief that comes when you've done. A milestone, and you're like, ah, oh, great! I don't have to worry about it anymore. And then you're like, all right, I probably should get need to get another one, you know, or you know, you start to get tetchy. <laughs> you're like, mm. um, well, I'm like, my big thing I need to work out right now is to, how to how to work less and earn more. Well, I'm sure everyone's in that boat, <laughs> but um, you know, I do, I do, I, I work a lot of hours, um, 
but I could be doing with making that either, you know, more efficient or, you know, getting a sort of better work-life balance, as they say. But in the same breath, like, uh, I did make the active decision that this is a good time, this this age, to be doing a lot of work. You know, I'm not I'm not planning on having children right now, so let's, you know, I'll have the sleepless nights from a little business baby or whatever. I'm fine with that, you know. Um, um, but yeah, I guess, so I guess that's my next step is to is to work out the balance a little bit bit better and make sure everything I'm doing now is securing myself for the future in a sensible financial um, way and structuring the business so that I can uh, run away from it, <laughs> <laughs> getting it sorted so I can go away for a year would be a, a good plan. I, I mean that is something that's in in my head. I've never really. Uh, you know, left uni and just yeah went straight into self employment. You know, I've you know I've travelled a good amount, but I've not lived anywhere else except for Dundee before. Um, Dundee's a good place to live though. I do like living in Dundee. Um, but uh, yeah, so I have got that in my head sometimes that it would be good to escape it all a little bit. So that's one thing. Um, and then the other thing I'd like to do just now, I think, is is uh, is get. I'd love a secretary. I'd love somebody to answer my emails, you know, and I, and I've been trying to think what would, you know, what what could I pay for right now that would give me the best return, um, you know, for all those things, and actually I think yeah the right, the right person would would be another thing. So you know, so maybe I'll go down. Maybe, yeah, maybe maybe that's the next thing is 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 employing someone more. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, if there's anyone out there that just wants to spend, you know, a couple of hours, maybe three or four times a week answering my emails first thing in the morning, nice little admin position there. <laughs> Sorry, I'm allowed to put out <laughs> job requests on your podcast. It's, a, it's the first time I've ever had a job ad. Oh, there you go. Right, oh, there so. we go. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's my next aim. I'm Oh, now I've put it out there. You know, it might happen. Uh, well, yeah, you could take the same model and um, all club together and yes, split yeah. that role. Yeah, well, there is that. Yeah, and I, I actually thought that would be something that that would happen more. I thought we'd be able to share people more. <laughs> um, the trouble is, as well, of course, with team working with other creative people with all their own businesses, is is that everyone has got like. Like, you know, we all work hard, but we're all, it's all like, <laughs> it's all, what's the word I can use? Like, a bit, um, maybe not as structured as, as some people would like it sort of thing. So, so even though, like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm working every, every morning at that sort of time, still being like, oh, to have somebody sitting, sitting, doing my emails for a couple hours every morning would mean I'd have to be in every morning. Well, I'm in every morning anyway, but, you know, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> it's different when you um you've, you've got to do it because somebody else is there. So it feels like it'll take a wee a wee bit of freedom away, um, doing that sort of thing as well. But uh, no, I think that would be a good step, and I'll need to get it written on a wee bit of paper and hide it away somewhere. Cause I came across a bit of paper recently that had three things on it, and that was like you know, get a get a better space, do you know, do something like you know, do something for Dundee. Uh, and and something else, and I was like, yes, I've done I've done those things. So I uh, like that we uh, putting it on a bit of paper and scrolling it away somewhere. <laughs> I think that works. Yeah. As long as you find it again. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, otherwise you'll never know whether it worked. Yeah. 
Um, so just before we finish up, is there anything that you could recommend that you've been listening to, watching or reading recently? Um, well, of course, I've been very much enjoying listening to the new Creative Chit Chat podcasts <laughs> that have come out. Um, oh, I'm, I'm listening to um, Alan Carr's Easy Way to Stop Smoking. Uh, if anyone's listened to that yet, um, I have, I'm now re-listening and I've not listened to the last half hour. I'm sure you know. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Um, I, <laughs> I've been watching. I watch a lot of Below Deck. There, I don't know if you've know it. If you've not got into it, get into it because there's loads of seasons to watch. There's one on a sailing boat and a down under one just now. Love it. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, I'd, <laughs> if we go for books as well. Um, the, the st- still the last thing I've read because I don't have much time to actually complete a book um, or patience or um, whatever um, <laughs> it was Witch's Blood which uh, if you are into Dundee like I am I'd highly recommend it because it's it's written in like uh, it's about following a family over about 100 years from like the 1600s to the 1700s so and it's really descriptive it's like the social history is really correct the whole family's made up. I didn't realise this till after I'd read it. It's written in such a way that you you think it's a, a real thing. But it, it, you build up this picture of the city centre and the town, which I totally loved. And obviously, because I've got my building in the city centre now, you know, and I can picture, you know, that bit before and it, it the, the house in it. And it talks about how he, he had his family money squirrelled away under a grave in the house. I'm always looking for that. And I'm like, no, it's not real. It's not real. There's no, no family money. But I still look. <laughs> So yeah, that's really good. I totally recommend that. Which is blood? It's a dry read, but once you get into it, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> and so, if if anyone does want to come and visit or um, see the work you're up to, where do they find you, and where do they find Double Doors Studios? Okay, so um, you can fill in the contact form on our website, doubledoorstudios.co.uk, if you want to arrange an appointment to come and see the studios. Um, I don't think, uh, no, there's nothing coming up that I can give you the dates for for being open. Sorry about that. We're currently working on a, our first design project together, actually, as a team. But I'll I'll keep that quiet just now, but keep an eye out. <laughs> um, and uh, you can find me at islaspalding.co.uk. That's Isla with a Y, like the island in the whiskey. Uh, pronounced Isla, not Isla. <laughs> Um, yeah and on my social media at Isla Spaulding and at Kiltpins as well on the Instagram luckily I've got a unique name <laughs> <laughs> that's great thanks cool. very much thank you very much to Isla for coming and doing the episode and her recommendations as well um, yeah it was a bit of a madcap episode but lovely sort of um, meander through insights into I mean busking I was fascinated by that I'd never really considered it or, or understood much about that world but yeah um, fascinating the sort of hierarchy and politics involved in that um, right through to to, to talk about um, creatives being taken seriously and um, ownership of space and skills within that and the considerations and this sort of the reality hitting of, of how to, to manage and run a space while having your own practice um, and then also the other thing that I thought was, was really interesting was this concept of um, sh- sharing a role so if, if you have things or tasks that, that you 
maybe need help with um, or can bring in support for um, but actually clubbing together with other creatives and freelancers to, to create a role together I mean it lessens the risk um, it allows you to work together more um, yeah I mean it, it's a great concept that we probably don't we don't utilise enough um, I don't think and something that should probably be considered more and we could potentially create more roles for for more people in the industry um but yeah th- yeah so th- i mean there was loads of stuff in there loads and loads and loads um yeah so yeah go and check out double door studio and isla's work as well um but yeah thanks again to her so yeah i mean if you did enjoy that episode um if you'd like to support the podcast um it's ko-fi.com forward slash ccc dundee and you can buy me a cup of coffee um yeah and thank you very much to everyone who has done so far it's very much appreciated um yeah and if you want to keep up to date with everything that's happening on the podcast it's at ccc dundee on twitter and instagram and it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash ccc dundee or you can talk to your smart speakers about me um or about the podcast anyway um yeah and that's it um i'm going to take a couple of weeks break um and then i've got another a great episode lined up with Little Green Larder, in particular Gillian Alexander from Little Green Larder and yeah, and then lots of great chats lined up to be recorded after that but yeah, until then Bye (laughs)